This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the October 13th, Friday the 13th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Uh, no, no Jason, maybe talk, we'll talk some Jason Tatum and other Jasons uh, with me to uh, break this down. We're talking some mock draft, we're talking some injuries, just notes overall to get you ready for drafts this weekend. Ethan Noroff, what's up, man? Happy to be here, man. Getting ready for basketball season. Start a little bit earlier than usual, but uh, first couple weeks of the season will be rolling before Halloween comes around this year. Right. We're cl- crazy to be closer to starting the season, closer to Friday the 13th than on Halloween, right? It used to be kind of other right. way around. Uh, Nothing that it all kicked off the little Friday the 13th, a little Halloween, a little hoop. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, so what we're going to do is uh, kind of a few injuries happened last night, so I do want to hit on that for everyone who's been kind of on the A-game for news, just to analyze that. We haven't, as far as I know, we haven't seen the Dennis Smith Jr. injury breakdown yet, but if you saw it, it didn't look bad. I mean, he was more of a slip. He kind of turned on Dennis Schroeder's foot. Had very little weight on it. Walked to the locker room. They even say he's questionable today. So I'm, I think he's cool. But to tie into that, uh, Seth Curry uh, has a leg injury. So he's out for a little bit. We saw Yogi Ferrell really kind of rise to the occasion. He's going to start. Um, so let's just ask really quick. Where are you at on DSJ, Yogi Ferrell, um, Wes Matthews, the whole Dallas backcourt? Um, and do you have any insight on what you thought for DSJ's injury yesterday? Yeah, I mean, look, like, I mean, it seems like the rest of the world is on the same boat here. But, you know, of course, I'm a DSJ fan. Um, I think the injury, if you're drafting this weekend, might knock him down a few picks just because there's a little bit of uncertainty right before the season starts. But, you know, to call him a top 50 pick is might be doing him a disservice at this point because every draft that I've been in over the last few days in, and into this weekend, he's going top 40, top 45 easily, man. Uh, Seth Curry, you know, the leg injury, anytime you got a stress reaction – Always a good chance uh, that, you know, that is something that can be a recurring injury, something that you got to be mindful of during the season. No timeline. They're going to take their time with him. Not somebody I'm looking to draft necessarily even before the injury, and definitely not now with all that depth in the backcourt. Yeah, he has a rod in his other leg, too, so it's not good. Um, so other than that, the, the let's talk about the Clippers really fast. Man, these guys are, are not going into the season healthy. Yeah, it's a preseason game. But when you're listening, Pat Beverly with a knee, Gallo with a foot, Decker with an oblique, Rivers with a glute, who's been kind of had some upper leg injuries before. That's not cool. Uh, Thornwell is also hurt, not going to be in the rotation. But I thought the big highlight last night overall was Milos. Another game for Milos. Uh, he, and, he's just he, he's looking like one of the best rookies. I mean, I know he's what 30 years old, yeah. but his passing is just it's crisp. And I, I think for a lot of people, we're going to be missing. Chris Paul in Los Angeles this season, you know, you got a reason to watch with Milos. And, and look, it's going to be a very different Clippers team. You know, can Blake Griffin be the number one best player uh, on a contending team? You know, can Danilo Gallinari stay on the floor? Can DeAndre Jordan expand his game? There are a lot of questions. But there's also a lot of excitement. So, you know, for a team that just lost its number one player, it's better to have a little bit of excitement and a handful of questions to go with it than all questions and no excitement. Yeah, a couple of things you mentioned there. One thing I noticed on DeAndre last night, he only had one assist, 
but they were feeding him a lot higher in the post. Usually when you're feeding DeAndre Jordan, it's like two feet in, where, <laughs> where he's dunking the ball every time. But they gave him a little bit more freedom. He had a steal, and he actually dribbled and tried to go. He put a Euro step on somebody and got the foul. So uh, I think DJ is going to be 14 and 14, probably close to one and a half, two blocks. We know he's going to shoot 70%. So if you're punting, man, I mean, he may put up better numbers than DeAndre, um, I'm sorry, um, Andre Drummond. Uh, he's going a lot later in points league, so I like him a lot. Um, just quickly on Milos, where are we drafted? I'm, think, I'm thinking like 100 to probably about where you should go, man. He looks great. And we'll talk about Lou Williams in a second, but what are you thinking for him? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I mean, if you're if you're looking for, you know, maybe you're drafting and you're saying, man, I drafted, you know, like I'm in a league where I drafted Kyrie Irving with the 17th overall pick, and then around 100, all of a sudden I said, man, I, I really need some more assists. Uh, you know, Milos was a great target for me at that point because he was still on the board. Unfortunately, he got sniped a couple picks before my next turn came around. But if you're looking for a player like that where you need that cheap back-end point guard to pair with a premium asset that you drafted early and, you know, you got guys like, <clears throat> excuse me, guys like Tyler Johnson are still on the board, but Markel Fultz is gone, and you're looking at other point guard options, you say, you know what, I'd take some consistency with Milos. I mean, you know he's going to be dropping dimes. That's what he was brought over to do. And hit threes. Uh, I think he's going to hit two threes per game. He's hit, uh, what, I think 3.0, six total in his last two. Uh, another guy who really caught my eye for the Clippers was Lou Williams. This guy, I mean, he was, what, fourth rounder before he got traded. Um, he's going to be in a very similar role. This team needs offense, uh, really, in the worst way besides Blake. We know DeAndre is not going to score 20 a game. So they need him to score 16, 17, 18. We know he's going to be a top seven or eight player for free throw percentage. Um, he shoots the ball pretty decently. He's going to have – he also had two really nice lob passes to DeAndre. This guy's kind of underrated as a uh, – a pick and roll guy as far as delivering the basketball. So um, he's really sneaky. He goes late, man. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm seeing, you know, guys like uh, George Hill get drafted before Lou Williams, which makes no sense to me. Um, and if you're looking at Lou Williams as, as a guy and you're looking at last season as a point of comparison, I mean, you're talking fourth, fifth round value on his best days when he was getting really hot. So I'm not sure that I'm willing to set the bar quite that high, but. This is a player who's capable of posting, you know, top 60 value in the right setting that you could probably get at 80 or 85. You know, I like that kind of return on investment. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you want to tie into this team? Um, I mean, what are we going to do? With uh, let's talk Gallo really fast. I mean, it's a midfoot sprain, and they didn't rule him out until an hour and a half before the game. He was doubtful. We never expected him to play. I'm not doing it. I can't. I can't. Try. When Gallo's going into a season hurt. I'm off it, especially a foot injury with his leg injury and back injury. Kinetic chain doesn't sound good, man. Well, uh, are you touching Gallo even at like 100? I mean, look, like this is a player who's got a chronic injury history. He's already injured, even if it's minor like we're saying now. You know, it's just not a good look. And, and it's a pain in the butt. It's a massive headache to have Gallo on your roster because when things are going well, they're going really well. But then all of a sudden, he's got a foot issue. He's got a leg issue. He's out for two weeks. He's out for four weeks. And it's one of those players where he's day-to-day, and all of a sudden, it's been five weeks, and he's still day-to-day. Uh, I just don't – I mean, with the other options that you have available for where Gallo's getting drafted, I just don't see the upside some others might. And I think others are actually paying a little bit too much for Gallo in certain formats. I like the points when he's on the court, but if that if that's the best asset that I can get from him is, is points and uh, and threes, you know, I think in this league at this time I can look elsewhere for both of those things. Yeah, and he's also he's pretty solid from the field, all things considered, and he's also really good from the line. He's kind of he's almost like a, a forward version of Lou Williams, uh, except Lou will have more dimes. Uh, so two other injuries to add from Thursday night: one, 
is supposedly minor. George Hill gave you the run down there. He slipped on his own right at the free throw line, um, was hobbling around. And he didn't look too bad, but they pulled him, sat down, talked to the trainer for a good five, ten seconds, left him alone, sat back on the bench, never went to the locker room. And the Kings called him doubtful. Still was sitting on the bench, still in uniform, not in warm-ups. And then they ruled him out um, to start the second half, I believe. So it sounds minor, but right groin strain, that was an issue for him in April. We saw him have a left groin strain a lot last season. Um, and I looked in the Rotor World database. The word groin for George Hill comes up 110 times. So be careful. I'm like you, like you hinted at. Nah, I'm not touching George Hill. I went, I'm done. Like on top of the fact that the youth movement's going to happen in Sacramento, no thanks. I love this guy. We saw him put up first round vibe before he got hurt last year, and he can do that. He's a really fantasy friendly player. Let, let me make myself very clear about the kick. The only Sacramento King I am looking to draft onto any of my rosters is Willie Cauley-Stein. And I think Trill is being undervalued in a lot of formats as a legitimate second center. You know, I wouldn't necessarily want to rely on him in a one-center format as my number one. But if you needed to, there are worse value picks that you could target right around the time where he's going. I like him because I think he's going to average something around... 14 and 9, I think, is realistic for him with a uh, better than a steal and a block per game. Um, he's got to improve from the free throw line. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him maintain some efficiency from the field if he's going to expand out his game, but it's probably natural to expect a little bit of a drop there if they're going to give him more opportunities. But that's really the only player on this roster where I look up and down and I say, yeah, give me that player. I'm excited about what he can do. I'll add Buddy Heald. I'm interested in drafting. De'Aaron Fox, I'm interested. Uh, and that's it. Scalabissiers look kind of bad at times. He's going to be a really bumpy. He's like Danny Green-esque, where like he's just going to disappear for two weeks at a time, I think. Um, yeah, that's a great comparison because <laughs> nights where he puts up lines where you're like, wow, man, I would love for him to be able to see that and do it again. We saw that a little bit toward the end of last year. But then he'd have six games in a row of two points and six rebounds with nothing else. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Dave Yeager, I think he likes Zach Randolph. And I, and yeah. I think Zach Randolph's going to play a bigger role than some people are anticipating. You know, Zebo is old, but he's not Vince Carter old. Let me put it like that. Yeah, he's corner threes are his thing now. I mean, he, well, I think he's taken 10 or so in the last two games. He's been chucking. Um, I, I, I'm not touching Zebo though. Like, I can't do old, I just don't do old players, period. It's part of the brand, no. I guess. No. There's there's no upside there. Yeah. You know, where you're taking Zebo at the back end of your draft, I mean, I'd much rather take somebody who is going to offer you a lot more in that setting. I mean, I look, you know, you're t- you're talking after probably 125, 150 in most formats. Take a guy with more upside. Yeah, for sure. And then also Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bogdan squared. Uh, he had a worse injury. I didn't get a good look at it from the broadcast. The, the Clippers broadcast, as much as I, I love it sometimes, uh, bingo, wow. but um, they don't really cover the other team very well. It kind of annoys me. Anyways, um, he, from what I saw, I didn't get a good angle on it. It looked like he was trying to block a half-court shot in a preseason game, uh, and he landed on Costa Kupas' foot, and it, it rolled pretty bad, and he needed help off the court. Not a little scary, but they called it not serious. Um, I wasn't sure where he fit. It looked like they wanted, because they want to play Garrett Temple a little bit on the wing. They have Buddy Heald there. I didn't really. They want to play George Hill and Aaron Fox next to each other, so I wasn't really drafting Bogdan anyways. Did you have him as a last round flyer kind of a guy, or any other fallout from this injury if he misses time? No, I mean, look, if he misses time, you know, I think your boy Buddy Hill is it's it's good news for him. He's not my boy, just to throw that out there. You know, but I mean, for me, 
again, really the only player I'm looking to draft off this roster is really Collie Stein. So yeah. if you're around 150 and you were thinking, oh, maybe I'll grab Bogdanovich around there, I mean, I'd tell you look at a player like maybe Jalen Brown instead. Mm. Uh, that's that's a player I like. You know, and I think Tyler Ulis is getting too often overlooked despite a little bit of uncertainty about his role in the desert. Brandon Knight's already out for the year with the ACL injury. Uh, they obviously love Ulis. they got to find a way to get him on the floor with Bledsoe together despite how small that backcourt would be. But I think guys like that who have that type of impressive upside make way more sense than guys who are like, ah, maybe this might be a good value here, but I'm not too sure. All right, so what we're going to do now, um, I had a couple other injury notes, but we're going a little slower than I thought, so we'll kind of tie it in as we go along. Um, we're going to just go over a mock draft, and we're doing a mock draft. I'm not in this one, so it'll be kind of nice to have my input, I guess, on, on other picks that aren't mine. Um, and if we have time afterwards, we'll talk about Ethan's 30, 30 teams, but I know you guys have a draft, so um, 30 teams, as much as we love it, it's not quite as useful for you guys. Um, so, And like Ethan and I were chatting... So preparing for a mock draft and like preparing for a big entrance exam test in the grad school, there's like there's so like you prepare until you know all the answers you think, but it could just go so differently. And you could do a million mock drafts, but doing the right mock drafts are really important. Uh, and you could just be totally blindsided whether you spend ten minutes or a hundred hours preparing for drafts. So um, yeah, it's it's just it's mock season's crazy. No doubt. I mean this. This particular class uh, or mock draft was a, this is a 14-teamer, eight categories, so no turnovers. Um, you know, you have some really interesting picks starting to show themselves. So, again, this is 14 teams. So the turn of this draft is 14 and 15 instead of 12 and 13. So I've got to get used to that a little bit. But, you know, when you I get a lot of questions, you know, should we go Damian Lillard or John Wall? Or should I go Miles Turner or Chris Dapps Porzingis, right? Yeah. So Damian Lillard in this draft was taken 13th overall. John Wall was taken 9th. Okay? Chris Stapps Porzingis was taken 18th. Miles Turner was taken 15th. I think Turner goes higher than Porzingis regardless. I mean, you could even argue that Miles Turner could be first-round pick in the right setting. Uh, that being said, you know, those are the types of comparisons that make sense. I would rather draft somebody like, you know, in this draft, I had 12th overall pick. I drafted DeMarcus Cousins 12th overall and Kyrie Irving with the 17th overall pick, and I was ecstatic. You know, Rudy Gobert in this draft fall, fell all the way to the 20th overall pick, which I thought was pretty surprising. Just a couple or a few picks ahead of Hassan Whiteside, who's a player who I think is going to go uh, a little bit undervalued this year. So you look at names like that and you start trying to make comparisons. You know, I think uh, Gary Harris and Aaron Gordon are a good example of this. You know, I had Aaron Gordon in this draft <clears throat> was a pick for me. At 45 overall, Gary Harris was picked 49 overall. Part of that is it was due to roster construction. I had Kyrie Irving, Chris Middleton already on the roster to go along uh, with my DeMarcus Cousins first overall pick. So I felt like I needed a little bit more balance in the big man department. So I grabbed Aaron Gordon. But Gary Harris is a player I'm super high on. Both of those guys are going anywhere from 45 to 55 consistently with just a few days before the season gets started. So let's talk about, uh, I guess I'll just quickly uh, go over the comparisons you threw out. Um, I have Lillard over Wall super close, um, but Lillard playing 79.2 games in five seasons is just crazy. Sixth, sixth overall post-break last year. Love him. Uh, Miles Turner, no secret. I love Miles Turner. Take him all day. I have to worry about Chris Stapps who's dinged up. I hate players who are hurt on bad teams in the beginning of the season. Shutdown risk is going to be high. He's had a lot of injuries. Don't forget his first summer league. He had three different injuries uh, from summer league to start a training camp. So be careful there. It's obviously, last a year was hurt. A lot of lower body yep. stuff. For hip, hip, hamstring, quads, knees. Those are bad things for a guy his size. 
Um, what else was there? Aaron Gordon. Okay, so Aaron Gordon. Was there another one I missed? I think that was it. Right? Aaron Gordon and Gary Harris. Yeah, that's what I was going to. Okay, so. Gary Harris went 49. I've never had this Gary Harris. I've always talked about Gary Harris's positives because I love Gary Harris. Uh, number one among all guards in field goal percentage last year. His steals are going to be there. He's going to shoot probably 2.33s, make 2.33s. He's going to assist. His assists are going to go up. He's handling the ball more. He doesn't have competition for his mitts and mitts anymore. All these things are great, but there's kind of a bad side of this. Don't forget Gary Harris for a guy who has a low usage, doesn't take a lot of contact. He's going to be doing higher usage, higher contact things now. So you take that to a guy who had a lot of. And don't forget he was getting picked up in fantasy around Christmas because he was hurt, um, and he's had some durability issues. So I we haven't really talked about the flip side of that. Um, well, I would still grab Harris at like. 65-70 all day, all night. Um, I, I think Aaron Gordon's a good round and a half ahead of him. Uh, I'm to- I was sold before the preseason, and I'm totally sold now. Uh, I got him in 55 in the 30, man. And I, I was, I'm taking him pretty much 12 teams, like, fifth round. I was going Jamal Murray there. It was kind of my, my jam. But, yeah, I've, I've won a lot of Aaron Gordon for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a real deal breakout this year. We saw it last year. I think he posted, what, third-round value after yep. the All-Star break last year? I mean, he's a dude who just contributes across the stat sheet. You know, I love – I call those guys my Andre Kirilenko's because when I you know, was really first starting getting into analyzing fantasy and really playing in a lot of different leagues and trying to understand the structure and strategy of everything that goes on, you know, Andre Kirilenko is one of my favorite players I have on any kind of roster. I remember one of my teams – this is probably like 2003, 2004, something like that – I had AK and Gerald Wallace on the same team, and like I would just, oh, yeah. I would just like double teams up on defensive stats. It was just stupid. Um, so I guess one other thing we could do, maybe talk about some surprises and where our favorite targets are going in this draft, and how that compares to where they may be going in regular drafts. Because most of these people are kind of fantasy um, industry guys. Um, so I guess let's talk, the top, the top, the first round is always a hot topic. So let's kind of go over that. Uh, it went Durant, Curry, Westbrook, Anthony Davis, aggressive. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I missed the very top part. Uh, I need to scroll down. Um, sorry. So number one's Giannis. Number two's Harden. Three, Towns. Four, Durant. Five, Curry. Six, Westbrook. Um, pretty standard there. Like we said, it's kind of those six, seven guys throwing in Davis are in that order. So Davis went number seven. So, I mean, that's kind of the way it is. Pick who you like. I thought I thought Westbrook had a chance to go in the top five. You know, he went six, so not like we're shooting for the stars here. But I thought he had a chance to go top five just because it isn't an eight cat league, so there are no turnovers. Uh, so I think that's important to remember here. Mm-hmm. But you start looking after Westbrook, and you got Anthony Davis at seven, Jokic at eight, Wall at nine, Kawhi at ten. To me, is a product of uncertainty about that quad. We just don't know enough. I mean, if we knew that Kawhi was going to miss two games to start the year. I think Kawhi goes a few spots, maybe even before Wall, maybe even before Jokic. But because we don't have that certainty with Kawhi, I think that pushes him back a couple spots. He's still a first-round pick. I actually am out of the first round, um, just because, in 8-cat anyways. One, because he's not really a lockdown kind of a top seven guy per game in 8-cat. Um, he's, he's Part of the reason why he's so, so good in 9-cats because he's low turnovers and so efficient. And two, I hate this quad thing. Uh, he had, he missed about a month in 2012-13 when he was a younger player. And we know Pop, man, he's shutting you down for a whole preseason. Um, he's shooting free throws right now. He's not even taking contact. He's not doing anything in practice. And the season starts with a lot of new pieces. But they want to see. They wanted to see how Rudy Gay and Kawhi played together in the preseason. They're not going to see that now. So this isn't a, okay, Pop, we're... 
we're not going to just rest you. Like they, they're not going to shut you down for no reason. So I'm off Kawhi, man. Um, I take him like 14, 15. It's just, uh, it's so risky, man. I like, and I said this a million times. Durability to me in the first round is everything. That's why I have Lowen so high. That's why I have Cat number one. Um, yeah, I love durability. I wanted a guy. I want a guy to play eighty games this year. Like if you're, if I draft you and they play sixty five games, I'm toast. Let, let me put it like this: I think Kawhi is still a first round pick. He's probably not my first round pick. Yeah, yeah, I got, that's a good way to put it. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the next uh, group of picks. And you took. Yo, Kyrie at 17 stupid in an eight, in an eight cat. Um, we saw he looks so, so good. I think his assists, I think we're shortchanging him on assists. His efficiency is going to go up. The only thing I care about or I'm worried about is durability because uh, he's had some injuries. That's why he was kind of a, a little suspect pick. They were saying he wasn't like a slam dunk number one because his foot. So, when, like, yeah, that was I, an easy when, pick. When I started writing my, my article for the draft guide about players to reach for in your draft, Kyrie was the first name that came to my mind. And, you know, for me, speaking personally, this isn't a player who I would have drafted with a top 25 pick in the last couple of years. I mean, despite the production in Cleveland, you know, just playing number two to LeBron's number one is just not a player I wouldn't have invested in at that level. For me this year, I think he's got so much to prove. I think he's finally his own man on his own team. Uh, I think there's a lot of narrative being built up. I think everything they're going to do is going to be around Kyrie. And I totally agree with your point that we're shortchanging him on assists. It would not surprise me to see Kyrie average a career high in assists this year. Uh, if, you know, health is a big question. I mean, we could say health is a question for everybody, but with Kyrie even more so. Uh, if health stays in order, there's no reason for me he can't finish this top 13, top 15 player easily. Uh, with Cousins going at 12 for me with my first pick, I knew I had to draft. Uh, Kyrie was the last of what I would call that elite point guards. You know, you still had Mike Conley and Kyle Lowry on the board, but man, I just put Kyrie in a different tier because of that upside he brings to the table. Uh, that being said, especially in a league that does not include turnovers, I mean, this is just, it, it, it couldn't have gone any better, you know? And, and yes, I, I like Rudy Gobert uh, at 20th overall, who went a few picks later, but because I had Cousins with my first pick, I needed Kyrie at 17. Um, one pick that did surprise me in this round, or a couple picks, I should say, Conley and Kimball Walker, and maybe it's just a product of point guard depth. Uh, people starting to get a little bit worried about having that 1A point guard they can roll out there, but Conley and Kimball Walker before Whiteside and Joel Embiid, uh, even before C.J. McCollum for me is, is, is a tough sell. And, you know, there's some there's something to be said for consistency at the point guard position when, when you're talking about players like Walker and Conley, but I think both those guys got, you know, injury concerns and health concerns and, and durability concerns as well. If you're in an eight cat and you come away in the first two rounds without a point guard, you're in trouble. Um, so that's kind of why they made that pick. I don't think it was a bad pick at all. Um, but and actually, I'm not. Go in an eight cat isn't quite the coup, you know. Um, I think I have it 17 in eight cat. So that's pretty much where it should go, especially when point guard depth is going to really dry up. Um, but yeah, Kyrie. You look at the guys who went before uh, Chris Paul, Miles Turner. I would take Kyrie over Turner in an eight cat. Um, Jimmy Butler, I would take Kyrie as well. I mean, Kyrie, you said, what, top 13, top 10? Yeah, he could be top 5, dude. <laughs> Kyrie could go insane. Um, so I, I love him. I mean, Actually, if, if everything works out, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. And, and look, if in a league where John Wall went ninth and Dane Willard went 13, for Kyrie to go 17th, I think that's a little bit too much separation. Yeah, like he should be going over Chris Paul, in my opinion. Kyrie, that is. Uh, so we wanted to tie in some injuries. LeBron ankle injury. He's going to miss a couple preseason games with this. Does this worry you at all? 
uh, when LeBron stops being a human cyborg, I'll start worrying. Right. But until then, I, I, I'm not worried about it. You know, it's not nothing to change him his position on my draft board. LeBron is going to be out there. Look, if he misses one game at the very beginning of the season, it'd be surprising. But if he misses one to play in 70 others, I'm going to be okay with that. Realize that you're going to have the occasional rest day for LeBron. You know, he's at the point in his career where Cleveland has to be conscious about it. And they're going to have to rely on him a lot more without Isaiah Thomas in that lineup, despite the new depth that they have on that team. So it wouldn't be, you know, don't expect him to sit there and play uh, 82 games, 81 games, 80 games. I don't see that happening, but he's going to be a beast when he's out there. This ankle injury does nothing for me in terms of shifting him up or down my ranks. Two things. There's no way in hell he's missing that game on Tuesday. Uh, and two, yeah, I, I'm not. They're going to rest him late. And like I've said this for a while, too, if you're new to the pod. When, you're, when your team is talking about rest in August... I'm off, yo. I'm not drafting you. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want you missing a Sunday game in my semifinal when I need you to have a stat line. Like I'm not, I'm not putting up with that. I almost lost my 30 man because James Harden sat out a game on Sunday. Luckily, I, I won the best two out of three weeks. Like that is the worst. Like and if you could, I will do everything I can to avoid that, and that means not drafting LeBron. Um, I, I think Kyrie. They're going to want to develop Kyrie. Hopefully, if he can stay healthy, I think their chemistry going into the playoffs. We big, so I still think Kyrie will be playing really well. Um, let's see. Uh, Joel Embiid, I guess to talk about him really quick. He went 24, very aggressive in an 8-cat. Uh, he went ridiculous in the first half of his debut. 20 points uh, uh, in 11 minutes. Um, he went to the line, what, I think 12 times in 11 minutes in the first with half. Embiid, with any player who's in that category of... You just know that, and, and Embiid. Look, we all know he's the ultimate risk reward pick. But any player who's in that category of must have, or man, this guy can swing your team, or man, everybody can't wait to draft this dude. Uh, you're gonna have to pay a premium for him. I mean, we saw it last year with D'Angelo Russell, right? Everybody thought that was gonna be the breakout year, and by the week before the season started, his ADP was something around 40. I mean, it was creeping into the third round in some drafts where he started the, the preseason as a mid-round pick. So those types of players where everybody's like, oh, don't worry, don't forget about this guy, don't forget about that guy, you're going to have to pay up for those players. So that's why, you know, I got an email last night from a reader, and I always love those. I appreciate those. Thank you very much for the support. Um, you know, who had planned, he's like, oh, I'm going to draft, think about drafting Aaron Gordon in the sixth round. And I told him, I said, I wouldn't be relying on that. I don't think he's going to be available in the sixth <laughs> round. I don't care if your team's got eight or if your league's got eight teams. You're still talking, you know, for in the 40s there. That that he could very easily be off the board. So planning on a player to be available in a certain round is never a good strategy. You have to be able to adjust in real time. And that's why, for me, tiers are so important because then you can tier players out and you get an idea for where they're being drafted as opposed to uh, fitting players into specific slots and trying to accommodate your whole draft around that perceived value. Yep, supply and demand, always. Uh, let's edit, so I can knock this injury out. Rashawn Holmes, uh, we can blame, can blame Aaron Gaines. Do you feel in charge? Uh, uh, he fractured. Yeah, uh, so that's tough. I mean, he was looking at probably twenty minutes. Now, what's up? Um, is it Amir Johnson? Do they want to play mostly vegan Jaleel Okafor? Uh, Okafor, kidding. Um, so, what, any well, impact well, from this Holmes know, injury besides really I, I, not drafting him? Honestly. Mecca Okafor might have a better chance of cracking the rotation than Jaleel Okafor based on <laughs> Brown's comments recently. So we'll, we'll, we'll see on that front. But, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting for Brown is 
when the Holmes injury first occurred, he said he didn't really, you know, he was asked a question, so does this mean Jaleel was going back in the rotation? He kind of sidestepped it and he said, well, let's take a look at Dario at the five. You know, let's see what we can do there. And Sarge has been sort of a forgotten man because Ben Simmons is healthy and Markel Fultz is there and Joel Embiid's on the court and, you know, there's a lot of excitement. So uh, Sarge is actually seen as ADP slide, but if he gets some minutes as a, as a small ball five, you know, there's going to be a lot of reminders about, hey, Saric was a guy who you should have drafted probably a little bit higher uh, in your league. That being said, you know, I think they're going to struggle to defend if they rely on Saric as a small ball five uh, uh, to, to play, you know, 20 plus minutes in, in that position. So so we'll see. But in terms of Holmes injury, it stinks for Holmes. Uh, it doesn't really do anything for me in terms of valuing other players. Move Saric on my board a little bit, but not a whole lot in terms of the open four bros. So will you see yourself drafting him, the homie Dario? Uh, in the right spot, sure. So like we're like one twenty, one twenty. Yeah, anywhere from one hundred five to one twenty. Oh, okay, I mean, that's pretty high. In the, in that range, um, I think for me, it also depends on what your first, you know, what the first hundred picks look like and what the competition of your team is. Yeah. Uh, that being said, you know, I feel a lot more comfortable with him at one fifteen than I would at one hundred five. Yep. Yeah, I'm not taking him. Every time I see him go, I'm, he's not in like the top twenty in my queue. Um, and he was my boy last year. I had him pretty much everywhere. Um, no loyalty in this game. Uh, other things. Uh, so let's see. I thought Blake at 29 was a great pick. Um, I'm big on Blake this year. I mean, I think if you can get Blake in the third round in, in any format, it's, it's a really good pick. I mean, I, I'm really high on Blake this year. Of course, health, like in any other year, is a major question mark for him. But I think he's got a lot of a lot of things to prove and a new 170 plus million dollar contract to back it up. So. I'm excited about Blake Griffin in L.A. this year. Uh, I thought for me, you know, a couple picks that stood out. Uh, I took Trevor Reza at 68th overall in the fifth round. I've been getting Trevor Reza on a discount in a couple of spots. I think I got him at 83 and 30 deep overall. I'm pretty happy with that. You know, Ariza is not a sexy pick, but he's steady, man. The elite triples, the elite steals. I mean, it's hard hard to put a knock on that. So, you know, Ariza's going around the same time as guys like, uh, in this draft, Otto Porter went 64th, Covington 65th, Ariza 68th, James Johnson went 70th, Marquise Chris 69th, and uh, Prince in Atlanta went 71. So, you know, you got a lot of interesting names at the small forward position all getting bunched up together. But I like Trevor Ariza as a value pick this year. I think he can finish as a top 50 asset pretty easily. Yeah, he's going to be bombing away from threes. Uh, I think that he is kind of undervalued now because we all knocked him down because we were all assuming Carmelo was going to go there. Um, so now that right, he's not there, right. he's you're going to get kind of a, a little bit of a post-hype, I guess, or something along those lines. Reverse post-hype, as you're paying for just we had we had knocked him down so hard because of that. Um, just one other thing I wanted to add, you had you guys have Tommy Beer. He had the first pick, so he's got Giannis, Bradley Beal, and Blake Griffin to start his team. That is, I'll take that in a ten man. Um, that's just, that's a yeah. tremendous start. Um, there are a few bad picks I wanted to point out uh, in this draft. You cannot, in my opinion, take Dennis Schroeder at 31. Um, I don't care how dry the well is at point guard. This guy is going to be like Russell Westbrook on field goal percentage. Uh, he, he's just going to kill you. He doesn't steal the ball enough. Um, he's not that great of a rebounder. He's not a great assist man. He's going to take a ton of threes. He's not going to make a lot of them. No, that's a problem for me. Devin Booker as well. Until Devin Booker can start stealing 1.2 steals per game and shoot over 44%, that's way too high. You can't take him there. Um, you're capping him. You can't. He's not going to give you third round value. I just don't see how that happens. Um, and same with Bledsoe, man. After Bledsoe had the, getting shut down for the entire second, almost the entire second half last year, 
Are you kidding me? I mean, you can't do that for a guy who has multiple meniscus tears, a bunch of other injuries, the way he plays as well. I can't do that, man. No, thank you. It's a, it's a scary price to pay for an uncertain investment. Yeah. yeah. I, and like we said, durability and giving giving you 80 games. And I'll, like you said with Embiid, I took Embiid in one draft, but it was a heart overhead thing. Like, I want Embiid on one team. That's it. Just so I can have him like, oh, nice. You know, it helps out my team in case he does give you 75 games. I, I'm kind of a closet Sixers fan, even though I'm technically a Nets fan. Um, are there, what other kind of interesting picks you saw? Like you said, you got Gordon at 45. That's... That's he's still got uh, room to clear that investment though. I think. Um, what other ones? I thought Al Horford was a really good pick at forty three. Yeah, so Horford. I was hoping that Horford would come to me on the on the backside of that dose uh, to go. I had Chris Middleton was my was my third round pick, and I was hoping to slide in Horford on the way back. Obviously, that didn't happen, so I went with Aaron Gordon. wasn't totally upset about it, but. Horford is a guy who's being undervalued in a lot of drafts. I mean, in one draft I was in, I think I got him in the sixth or seventh round. I mean, this is a guy who's capable of posting third or fourth round value. And I think he's going to be better this year than he was last year. And he look, he's not going to be suddenly averaging 16 points a game again. I don't think that's going to happen. But he's elite as it comes in every other category with the exception of, of, of scoring, man. And he's a play, He's just a winning player when it comes to fantasy. If you have Al Horford on your team, more often than not, you you got a good team. You're shortchanging him, man. I think he has top 15 upside. Um, we saw his blocks really trend down. In, in 9-cat, anyways. We saw his blocks really trend down last year. And I think that having Isaiah Thomas away from the situation and his poor defense, I think that's going to give him more blocking opportunities because so many guys have to help sooner that it kind of just takes your like your rhythm away to block shots. So I think Horford's going to be just awesome. Um, he'll be number two among big men for assists behind Mr. Jokic. Uh, okay. I yeah, like I love him. Man. Like he's, he's basically me, like you know, I, he's like Cat without the, the big double double upside because he's going to give you a little bit of everything, more more assists than scoring, but he is the man for field goal percentage and free throw percentage. Just a great baseline, bottom line value. He if he if he scores eleven and five assists and six boards, he's still going to be like a top forty five player just because he's so rock solid on percentages. No doubt. I mean, he's somebody who I like a lot. And, you know, I've, I've made no secret of the fact that I'm, I'm a Brandon Ingram fan. And, and I know it's been yeah. a tough sled preseason. I know a lot of people are down on him. Uh, I'm not. And I've been really aggressive about about where I draft him. So for me, 101 overall in this particular draft, um, I was thrilled. I mean, if you look, if you can get Brandon Ingram after 75, for me, that's that's an absolute value. And you got to remember, he's 20 years old. He's putting a lot of pressure on himself to perform right now. Things will get better. And I expect him to get a lot better. And I expect him to be one of those players that by the end of the year, people are saying, you know, I think we sold him a little bit short. And I know Kyle Kuzma has been fantastic. And I know it's all about the Kuz Cruise right now. And that's all fine and good. But Magic Johnson has been very vocal. Rob Pelink has been very vocal. Everybody in the Lakers organization has been on Brandon Ingram's side, giving him the opportunity, giving him the confidence, giving him... The, the praise that he deserves for the work that he's put in. So for a player with so much upside, I mean, I, I, this is a player for me who he has upside to go 15, 5, and 4 with better than a, a 3, a steal, and a block in each game. I'm not saying he's going to reach those numbers, yeah. but that's kind of upside. And at, a, at 100th overall, 101 in this case, really, really hard to find that type of upside. So Steve, let's talk about Steve's pick really quick. That was a, a big topic for our other 30-man pod. He went 61, man. 
Like, are you, even as a big Ingram guy, are you? I can't do that. I mean, sixty-one is you know, if you, if you're in a twelve-man league, that's a that's a fifth-round investment. If, if you're in a ten-man league, that's a that's a sixth-round investment, right? So you're gonna have to really believe in Ingram to draft him at that price. Uh, I'm willing, but I'm not eager. Um, Necessarily, if that really makes any sense whatsoever. So what I mean by that is, I'm willing to invest at that at that price at Ingram. But like we've talked about a little bit more, it shortens his return, his opportunity to provide a positive return on investment. At a hundred, he could give you top seventy value, and you feel pretty good. Yeah. If you draft him at fifty-five, and he gives you top sixty-five value before the All Star break, well, you're more or less breaking even there, and you feel a little bit less good, even though it's 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 fine value. It's just not you're not making as much money on your pick, so to speak. Yep, so for, for sure. me, there's less room for, for error. Um, but again, you know, in, in a 30 deep format, you're looking for those players who can be difference makers, who can really swing your team one way or the other. So that's a whole different layer of strategy. But in a standard 10, 12 team league, um, I feel a lot better right now at, as a top 75 based on preseason. But I, I'm personally still not scared between 50 and 60 if everything breaks right. Yep. Uh, I totally agree with everything you said. Just uh, I, I, I'm not as high. As, like, I don't see the defensive stats really being there. I called him like a Harrison Barnes without the de- without the percentages. It's kind of how I view him. And I, so you would rather? Would you rather have Harrison Barnes or Ingram? Uh, given the price I'd have to pay for either one currently, probably Ingram. Okay. Just okay. So what about if Harrison Barnes goes seventy five or Ingram at one hundred? What do you think is a better value? Well, I mean, let's look at this draft. Barnes went at 80 and Ingram went at 101. There you go. So it's pretty simple. Um, and look, where, where, Barnes went in, where Barnes went in this draft, for me, my pick in that same round was Tim Hardaway Jr. And I'd rather have Tim Hardaway Jr. I'd rather there. have Barnes, man. I think Barnes is – we hate on Barnes because we kind of see that 82% from the, from the line is a fluke. But he was consistent throughout the season and making free throws last year. So um, oh, I'm, he, I'm a fan. he was he was one of the better assets on, on one of my better teams last year. As yeah. a matter of fact, it's got it's got very little to do with with Barnes's game. Um, I think Tim Hardaway is being undervalued just personally. Um, so I would rather have him there. And if you look at 101, so if I had drafted Barnes, I wouldn't have been able to draft Ingram at 101. I would have had to go in a guard direction. And in that spot, you're looking at you know Alan Crabb on a couple picks before. Uh, Beverly and Milos went right around there. Darren Collison and injured Nick Batum went there. George Hill. So for me, I'd rather have Tim Hardaway and pair him with Brandon Ingram than have Harrison Barnes and pair him with Patrick Beverly. All right. Uh, let's see. Here. This, let's go over some other picks that, that were kind of head scratches, I guess. Um, I think Carmelo at 51 is really a tough one to take. Um, he could be good, but... When you're taking when you're taking scoring away from Carmelo, like I just don't see how he's going to produce what you need him to produce to be a valuable that's, guy. That's my question too. Is is you know I think Paul George and Russell Westbrook have shown they can coexist, and you know Carmelo's got he's going to have to figure it out. But I can see nights where Carmelo scores 14 points with four rebounds and doesn't do a whole lot else, and the Thunder win by 20. You know, so what is he really giving you in those spots? And for Carmelo to go at 51. But Tobias Harris to go at 82, that, that made no sense. Yeah. Like, Tobias is probably going to score more, and he's going to be better in other categories, man. So very similar kind of a role. Right. I thought Tobias, Good. Tobias was a name that slid pretty massively at this draft. He always does, man. Like For some reason, he always goes 75, 80, 85. This guy is very, very durable. He's going to take threes. They need him to play off. Like Reggie Jackson is going to miss games, and Avery Bradley can't take 
20 shots a game. So they need someone to produce offense. Ish Smith's not a high-volume guy either. Um, okay, so let's talk some other buzz guys. Um, Josh Richardson, uh, he is up to 77 here. Um, where, did, where were you at? You, you, okay, so you took Hardaway over Richardson. How do you still feel? Do you still agree with that? And uh, or would you flip it? Because this was after the Magruder pick or Magruder injury, right? Uh, this was before the Magruder. Injury. Okay, okay. This is before. So, the would you flip it now, knowing what you know now? Um, in a vacuum, would I rather have? Yes. Would I would I flip it? Yeah. Possibly. Okay. Uh, for the structure of this specific team, when my mid round picks were Aaron Gordon, Chris Middleton, and Trevor Ariza. I felt like I needed that scoring up so yeah, a little bit. That makes sense. Uh, so I, I like that's why I like Tim Hardaway because I mean I like Josh Richardson too because he contributes across the stat sheet, but he's not somebody I'm counting on for 15 plus a night. You know I think Hardaway is going to flirt with 20 points a game because who else is scoring on that team besides Porzingis? Yeah. Uh, so for me that it made a little bit more sense there, but you know Richardson again is one of those guys like uh, and I hate to compare him to Joel Embiid because obviously way different planes. But in terms of paying up for a player that you want, he's one of those guys who you're going to have to pay up for if you want him on your team because it's been so overwhelmingly positive, everything he's done in the preseason, and now especially with the Magruder injury. Uh, you know, I worry a little bit about Miami's depth in terms of it's just so good, it's so plentiful. How are they going to play all these guys all these minutes? Uh, but Richardson does benefit from the fact that he can play the one, he can play the two, he can play the three, and I think they want to find a way to keep him on the court. So I like Richardson. You know, he's definitely more. You know, he started as a late round pick uh, in standard drafts when the preseason got started. So for him to already work himself into the top seventy-five, top eighty conversation is a testament to you know not only his talent but how he's performed so far. A couple things I'll add. Uh, if you have an ESPN draft, you need to go into your queue right away and add Josh Richardson um, to the queue because he is at 421. Um, wow. So that is the first thing you do when you log into your draft. Uh, secondly, like you said, he played 75-80% of his minutes at the three last year. So he'll slide right into that role as a starter, I think. We want to see what Justice Winslow can do. Very disappointing career, especially when the Celtics want to give up four first-round picks for him. Um, um, and they weren't able to do that, but um, he's he's in a big spot this year. He needs to play well, so that if you're in a big spot, perfect chance for a late round flyer. Uh, they want to see what he can do there. Uh, this helps Tyler Johnson as well. They want to play him at the two. They can't play Deion Waiters 48 minutes, so they are going to play him in tandem. So this helps all those guys. Uh, helps Kelly Olynyk, who's played really well. He's leading the Heat in net rating in preseason. Not that that's super important. Preseason net rating totally change your look on drafts. But um, he's played just, well. Just, just know that the minute you put Kelly Olynyk on your team is the minute he's going to go ice cold and frustrated. Yeah. Just know. I'm just telling you from experience. He and Scott LeBissier are like going to be dropped like 20 times this year. And then picked back up 25, 20 times as well. So. Oh, easily. Easily. Uh, All right. What, let me ask about a player who I've been getting a lot, a lot of questions about. And, I, and I'm still a little bit on the fence myself. Derek Favors. Uh, Derek Favors had obviously a completely lost year last year. He was not healthy. He felt like he was playing on one leg. But now let's fast forward through all of that. We already knew all of that. He was dropped. He was a complete bust. Now he's totally healthy, according to him. He looks pretty good. I mean, there haven't been any new concerns. But he's being drafted as at a supreme discount comparatively to where he was going just a year or two ago. I mean, in this draft, I'm looking at him as the 89th overall pick, sandwiched in between George Hill and Bill Barton. Where, where do you sit on Derek Favors? I'm in the Derek Favors camp. Um, and like I said, the way I, the way I draft, and you always hear me preach durability early in my draft, 
that allows me to make more risks later in my draft. That's always how I've drafted. I'll draft that way until I'm, I can't play fantasy anymore for whatever reason. Um, and it's because I want to take chances on guys like Dave, Dirk Favors, guys who we've seen go on months at a time, put up first-round value, because he can shoot decent free throws for a guy who can block as many shots as he does. Um, great, great spot, opening up so much usage with Gordon Hayward gone. Um, we know Rudy Gobert isn't going to be a 20-points-per-game guy. It could be 18, 17, but 20s reach. Uh, we know Ricky Rubio can't score the basketball. And then also, too, them starting him at the 4 and playing him at the 4 confidently really shows they trust his athleticism to defend stretch fours and so on. So all the stuff's there for him to have a big season. And at, at 75, I'm down. 75, 80, 90, 100, I, I almost have to take him there, depending on who's there. But, yeah, count me in for Derek Favors for sure. Let me, let me ask you this question based off this draft. Marquise Chris went 69. Derek Favors went 89. Who do you who would you rather have at that value? Marquise Chris. I'm all in Marquise Chris. Uh, I got him at 66 in the 30 man, and it was I didn't blink twice uh, when I, I didn't blink once when I made that pick. I really like Marquise Chris. Uh, you're not going to find anybody after 50 who can block two shots a game and make a three a game. Um, we need to make free throws, which is fine. But um, yeah, I'm not worried. I think Alan Williams going down also opens up more minutes for him at the one. I'm sorry, the five. Um, he's just, I love him. Um, after he was fifth round value after the break last year, they really talked him up. They want to get him going. So, um, it, like I said in a previous pod, if he could play 80 games and he's not top five in the league in fouls, he's going to be a top 50 player. I, I, I can't get out of this pod without just giving some, some props to my man, Justin Holiday here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Justin pride of Campbell Hall, you know, went to high school together Dude has been around the world and back trying to establish an NBA career for himself. Got himself an NBA championship ring with the Warriors. We saw what he's capable of doing. Now it looks like he's going to start with Zach Levine still sidelined with his tour ACL for the Bulls of two guard. And, man, he's, he's playing well this preseason. I mean, you talk about late-round flyers. I'm, I'm in on Justin Holiday. He's like, he's like Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, you know, he's got family ties to the league. He's on a bad team. He's going to get a lot of shots. His team needs help. Uh, he plays in a big city. We could keep going. But, uh, yeah, let's move on. Great, great last-round pick in a 12-teamer. Um, so let's kind of just go over the rest. I had a lot of injury notes. I just wanted to put a, a bow on to keep you guys um, a heads up on. Chris Paul slightly dinged up. Knee injury, shoulder injury. We'll, we'll just go, like, level of concern. If it's over five, we could talk about why. So Chris Paul, level of concern on shoulder knee injury? Nah, I'm at like a three right now. It seems pretty precautionary. Yeah, I'm not moving him down. Uh, Avery Bradley's got a minor ankle thing. He had the Achilles thing last year. Uh, so we'll do him first. Are you worried about him? Going to have a lot on his plate. Very kind of Gary Harris-esque. Uh, he's got more on his plate. Shooting guard. Really, really high floor guy. Very, very, very good comparison. Not worried at all. I like Avery Bradley a lot as a value pick this year. Top 20 upside. Love Avery Bradley. Um, yeah, I'd probably put it at like a three and a half just because of the Achilles thing last year. I don't want uh, foot injuries. Reggie Jackson, not drafting. Um, knee injury again, so eight. Um, Ish Smith's a late-round flyer for me. They may even start him, man. Yep, totally agree. The Pistons looked better with Ish Smith on the floor last year than they did with Reggie Jackson, even though Jackson was hurt. Uh, recurring injury, tendonitis is not going away. Questionable value in both reality and fantasy. Who knows if he's even going to be on the Pistons by the time this year ends. I'll pass. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nurk alert. Uh, Yosef Nurkic, he's got a concussion. He is not on the injury report right now, so it sounds like he's good to go. Uh, another guy who takes on a lot of contact. He's had... Stress reactions, knee injuries, all sorts of injuries. Um, are you drafting Nurk? He went reasonably 
decent in this draft. Where did he go again? I didn't think because he sometimes Nurk goes like top forty, and you're like, dude, what do you you need him to play like seventy five games? So Nurk in this in this draft went fifty fourth, riding between Ben Simmons and Serge Ibaka. That's a pretty good spot for him. So I say, look, if you can get Nurkic after fifty, I'm willing to take that gamble because of the health and the, the injury concerns and his style of play. But if you're drafting him ahead of guys, you know, like if you're drafting him and Chris Middleton still on the board, you're drafting him, Victor Oladipo still on the board, uh, Marcus Saul still on the board. That's a little bit of a tougher sell for me. Yeah, like like I've always said too, like once the Horfords, Gasols, and Beads come off, kind of um, all bets are off. Um, so you either have to punt for DeAndre, or you got to kind of wait and just stack them up and go with Marquise Chris. Hopefully, get center eligibility, which I really think he is. Um, you mentioned Willie Cauley Stein's another popular one. Boban as well. Uh, moving on, um, Lonzo. We talked about him a little bit, um, but he's been out since October second. Questionable. Last I heard for tonight. Uh, so what are what's your? And he was also hurt in summer league too. Um, so I hate that. I hate when rookies get hurt, especially on bad teams. Uh, even though they're minor injuries, I, I knocked him down a little bit. Um, so level of concern on Lonzo. And are you have you got him at all in mocks or drafts at all yet? I've not been able to score him yet just because there's been so much hype around him. He's been fourth or fifth round pick, and I just I can't do it with some of the other names on the board. Uh, there is some concern with the ankle, you know, because, again, he dealt with a similar injury at Summer League. I uh, put it at like a five, not enough to change where I put him on my board. But, you know, if, I, if I'm paying him between him and one other player who has similar upside or I think is going to perform similarly, then I think I might choose that other player too. Yeah, there's other guys I'd rather have, man. Um, even if he fall, he has. I've yet to see him really go. 60s, kind of the, like 45 to 60s, kind of the range. I can't do it. Yeah. Like, even at like 80, I, I, I honestly, I wouldn't be totally shocked if Teodosic outproduces him, uh, even with fewer, I mean, fewer minutes. I, his his shooting percentage is, is just not going to be there. Um, I don't know how much he's going to get to the line. You know, he could be a very uh, Rajon on Rondo esque when Rondo was earlier in his career. You know, high on dimes, but uh, and, and some nice defensive contributions, but not a whole lot else. So, you know, I think that, and if you, and if you remove the name and you just say that aloud, you're talking more like closer to 100 than you are 50. So put it like that. Yeah, even, I plug it even worse. Like if you do the old blind resume, you know, you could see like him and you could put up like Darren Collison or somebody that just has no buzz. And they'd be like, oh, I'll take Collison. Like, oh, no, no, you won't. You're going to draft Lonzo Ball here. Right, um, exactly. So, Frank Nilakina, uh knee injury, bang, dang, bang, bang, banged up, excuse me. Um, he's going to fall. So, would you take him, like, I guess De'Aaron Fox or any other of these, like, last-round point guard flyers, where does he fit for you on that one? It's going to take a little bit. Like you, If you're drafting him, just know you're getting nothing out of him for the first, like, month. Yeah, I'm, I'm off. I'm off, totally off that train. Uh, he's been injured in summer league. He's been injured in preseason. He's been called a project. He, uh, Hornacek doesn't want to start him. They brought in Jared Jack. They brought in Ramon Sessions. They just signed Trey Burke. All of those are not good signs, yeah. people. I'm, I'm going to pass on this one. Yeah. Uh, I think Malik Monk is getting close to passing, especially, which we didn't mention. I went, ah, nice segue. Um, so Nicholas Batum, he's out. Um, not a guy you, you really can't even draft him. He's going to miss between 20 and 34 games. Not good. Um, Jeremy Lamb also dinged up. Michael Carter-Williams just coming around, taking contact now. Ma- uh, Malik Monk looked great uh, in the last preseason game I saw. Very aggressive, really competent shot. I'm down to take him in the last round, I guess. But then again, there's other guys I'd probably rather take. Um, just because the Hornets are going to be in the playoff chase. So 
Um, when Batum t- does come back and Lamb does come back, it, it's gonna be gonna be tough for him to be consistently in the top 120. No doubt. Yeah, I'm so, not, he's not somebody I'm reaching for, even with yeah. the Batum injury. I'd ra- I'd rather have Jeremy Lamb and and MKG is another guy who I yeah. think is being undervalued. Marvin as and be well. In that elite in that elite defensive conversation and be had after pick a hundred. That's uh, that's a good value. Marvin, Darren Collison, Mar- uh, MKG. We could do the whole the all under like we could say probably Paul Gasol as well. Who's going to probably be a top one hundred player. Um, yeah. So that was there's there's a lot of guys you can just steal, man. Just because they're not sexy, but I, I like to I'm I'm Mr. Sexy. Uh, I like to take sexy picks. Um, other than um, Rodney Hood's neck, are you worried about that at all? He had uh, the knee thing last year. Uh, I know we both like Hood. We could actually tie it into the 30-man. You had him in 30-man, right? Yeah, I do. I, I have so, Hood in the 30-man. Yeah, yeah, so I, you I, worried I, there, or what are you thinking? I got him, I want to say, just before, just shy of 100. Um, yeah, look, injuries and Rodney Hood, of course, there's always there's always some concern. Yeah. Uh, that being said, you know, it's not a chronic thing. It's not something that he's dealt with before. It seemed kind of like it was just listed as soreness, so that's always a good sign. Um, not enough for me to change where I'm drafting him. If I can get him in between 75 and 100, man, I feel really, really good about that right now. Yeah, you got him at 98. That's really good. You got Trevor Reza again there. He's kind of really solid in 30 deep. Um, Chris Middleton as well. Seems like he's kind of you're all in on Chris Middleton, it sounds like. Uh, Hassan Whiteside at 23 is great for this value. Um, you want you want to lock down two like we said, um, defense is so big in this league. So was there a pick that you liked the most in these early picks? Uh, for thirty deep, yeah, the guys I said. I guess to wrap up the other ones that are in top two hundred, uh, Willie Hernan Gomez. What is that pick? One forty three, and then yeah, Jalen like Brown at one fifty eight. So any of those picks you like more than the others? I how about the Donovan Mitchell pick? That was one yeah. of the last. Picks. Yeah, that I, was a good one. I, I, I liked Donovan Mitchell a lot. Um, you know, I think he's going to take on a bigger role than some people might expect. He can play a little bit of point guard. Uh, the kid can play, man, kind of like uh, Kyle Kuzma in Los Angeles for Lakers. When you just have a kid who can play, you know, you got to find a way to get him on the floor. And I think there might be some people who are a little bit overselling how good the Jazz are going to be or, or not. Um, the Western Conference is just so loaded and, and – you know, Utah has to start looking for the future, even though they're they committed to competing currently with the veteran signings and they fleshed out their depth with guys like Thabo Sepfalosha and Jonas Jurebko, and that's all fine and good. But at some point, you got to start thinking about the future, and the future is here with Donovan Mitchell, man. This this kid can play, and the Dante Exum injury just pushes his his importance even further up the uh, the pole there. A couple of things I'll add to that. Um, I think they're going to be in the hunt for the eight seed uh, and two. When he was asked what he thought about his summer league, Donovan Mitchell, that is, he was like, oh, I like that I can play point guard better than everyone's saying. So he took, he has a chip on his shoulder. He wants to show people he can play point guard, and now he has the opportunity for, like, it couldn't have worked out any better for him. Um, as terrible as it is for Exum, um, who's in a really bad spot, man. This guy just can't stay on the floor right now. Um, so anything uh, else you want to add? Maybe a couple other late-round flyers that we haven't talked about, or do you Chances you think you could knock me off my back-to-back in 30-man or what? Jeez, man. I, <laughs> I, man. It's tough to compete in that league when you when your first pick is 23rd overall. Yeah. I think it's like a third in a row where I'm getting, you know, my first pick is after 20. It's just, it, it puts you at such a disadvantage because you don't have that, that you know, top 10, top 15 talent. Um, I do like the depth of my team. Uh, Late-round flyers, I mean, look, you're looking at, 
you're looking at really preference when it comes to late round picks, right? So guys that you not necessarily like favor, but guys that you believe in the breakout. Um, I think somebody like John Collins in Atlanta is interesting because their front court depth is just so terrible uh, that I think he's going to make a little bit of noise down there. And we already talked about Justin Holiday. Uh, Tyler Eulis uh, in Phoenix is a guy who I think is getting too regularly overlooked. And I know we got him uh, ranked a little bit higher than a late round flyer, but Mo Harkless, man, yeah. I haven't heard too much about Mo Harkless from from the people. And, and Mo Harkless is one of those guys who he's on your team. He's just like, man, I didn't realize Mo Harkless was such a could be such a fantasy gem. So I like Mo Harkless as a, as a late round value as well. Scoring the teens, one 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 steals, block threes. You're automatically worth drafting, no matter how bad you shoot the ball. So yeah, I agree, man. Uh, Mo Harkless is very he's on that he's on that team. We could slide him over to shooting guard uh, for our all underappreciated team, blind our blind resume team. Like Mo, Mo Harkless is gonna do do some work. Uh, all right, so we're gonna get out of here on that. I'm gonna probably do a pod tomorrow um, to get you guys ready. I'm not sure what the deal is with that, but it'll be up at some point, probably late or early. I don't know, whatever whatever goes on. Um, but yeah, man, thanks for coming on. Hey, man, my pleasure. I'm happy to be be a guest. Looking forward to making it more regular this season. Oh, great, man. All right, you guys take care. Enjoy your weekend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.